Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. So I'm a father of what? I gotta find a babysitter. I found care.com and I was blown away. Through the platform, I was able to find local and experienced candidates along with their reviews and rates, which were way more affordable than I anticipated. Care.com really put me at ease knowing that they were all required to go through a background check. If you're like me and you need to find someone reliable for your child care necessities, check out care.com. Find the ideal sitters for your child care needs. Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. Hope everybody is having a good start to the week. Auburn has now attempted to flip the page from Mercer. It was the holiday yesterday, and we met with Brian Parson and a few players up at the Athletics Complex. Kind of a you know look back at, at what they did in week one, but now... Obviously, as the week moves on, attempting to turn the page and the game plan towards San Jose State, Auburn's second opponent of the year. Last met them in 2015. Obviously, that's a familiar foe for Brian Harson, Brent Brennan, and the Spartans were a Mountain West opponent for Harson and his staff when they were obviously at their previous stop at Boise State. In fact, they denied Harson his uh, fourth Mountain West title at Boise State back in the 2020 season when San Jose State had a pretty good year, but joined here by uh, Mark Murphy and Jason Caldwell. And Mark, you know, with the, the quarterback situation remains something that we will continue to ask Brian Harson about until it's entirely resolved and probably way after the fact as well. But, you know, he Harson said after the game on Saturday, give me some time, watch the film, figure things out. Um, the big takeaway from him every time he brought up the, the dual quarterbacks was talking about TJ Finley saying, Turnovers are the biggest thing, especially like Jason mentioned after the game on Saturday, when you have a guy that the biggest sort of draw for him is his command and how he's able to run the offense and he's comfortable with the offense when he's the guy who has two interceptions, obviously a little bit concerning, but all indications, Mark, from from talking to Brian Harson yesterday are that this two quarterback system, if that's what you want to call it, the guys trading off, all indications are that that is going to continue into the second game. Yeah, I don't think he's got any problem with playing two quarterbacks. You know, a lot of coaches do, um, but uh, he's not in in that uh, that school of thought. And uh, you know, if you know if one guy was like clearly dominant over the other, it would make sense to play one guy. But I think he's going to let them compete and see uh, who's playing better. And uh, you know, it might change on a game to game basis. But uh, you know, he's big on not making mistakes and. The two big obvious mistakes in the game were 
those passes that were intercepted and uh you know neither one um were uh, were good plays by tj finley i thought one of them he just he shouldn't have thrown the ball he should just throw it away i thought the other one if he's going to throw that ball there was a chance to make a touchdown if he put a enough air and let his receiver and got the ball over the backside um the defensive back and uh you know i thought finley other than that actually played pretty well I, thought he threw the ball well he looked like he had some poise out there he looked better to me than he did when we last saw him in a real game versus houston houston and you know i think one of the big highlights of the game uh, for auburn was robbie ashford coming out and playing well this is a guy who hadn't played a game a real football game since he was at hoover high school and he didn't play a lot at hoover high school as jason knows because uh he was hurt there some plus he spent Part of his time playing baseball so uh you know i think that was one of the the real interesting takeaways from game one is how well robbie ashford played and uh he certainly you know earned some respect from the fans and uh i think his teammates have got to be pleased with what they saw from him too particularly that block downfield yeah upon the rewatch too I, I, it came on at like 10 p.m last night on sec network or something like that that play where shed jackson uh, got into a bit of a, a tussle on the sideline, and they they threw the flags both ways. Um, Robbie Ashford was right in the middle of that. <laughs> I didn't even realize. John Samuel Shanker goes and yanks him out like a like a dog on a leash, and you can see Brian Harson on the sideline too, being like, "Dude, you gotta get out of there." But uh, yeah, I mean, he he certainly you know didn't have a lot of fear there in that first game. And and Jason, you know it 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 brings us to the next point of week two, where we've been talking all off season about. Robbie Ashford just needs to be live. You know, they just need to have an opportunity for him to go out there and be tackled because dating back to the spring, even when he won a day MVP, this was a guy who wasn't able to be tackled. We weren't really able to see um, his full skill set. I, I do wonder, you know, how much that sort of changed Auburn's game plan with him and sort of their understanding. They didn't know what this guy looked like. Like Mark said, he had never played a college snap before. All they could go off of was what they saw out of practice. So I do wonder what that's going to look like in game two. Number one, because of this new data you have. Um, and number two, you've got to get some solid footing under you in terms of what he's going to do in the ground game before Penn State comes to town. That's going to be a very different defense when he tries to take off and run like this. Yeah, I don't know that, that it's going to change a whole lot what, what Auburn does with, with Robbie or what he, you know, they can add some things to it. But, you know, first play he comes in, you know, it was his own read. He takes it. And, and so I think they wanted to see what they look like. Um, I think what it does is, is, is now defenses know who he is. And so now how do you adjust? Because they, you know, they're going to adjust when he comes in the game, they're going to say, look, we got to look for run first. Can you be consistent throwing the football down the field? There's, there's going to be those opportunities. And, you know, Nick Marshall, Auburn was able to run the football almost exclusively with him, but that was a different offense. This offense isn't necessarily designed to be a zone read quarterback run heavy offense. Now they might be able to do some of those things, but you're not going to do some of those things with TJ Finley. It's 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 a different offense, so it's hard to have completely different, you know, uh, you know, really foundations of offense. And and so uh, Robbie, you know, Robbie Asher is going to have to go ahead and throw the ball. Um, I mean, he only threw seven passes the other night. I know it rained, and I know the weather was there, but Auburn threw 20 passes in a game that they had some opportunities to get more balls and you know and 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 do some of those things um, with the quarterbacks. And so. We'll see if they add more of that in week two. Uh, I think that's the next step. Um, 
even for TJ Finley, they, they've got to be able to throw the football. And I know they want to run it, and, and they got some things to work on in the running game, you know, with offensive line as well. But um, with a passing game, they got to, you know, we've, we've you know, saw Javarius, you know, Johnson um, be a playmaker, not a surprise there. Shedrick Jackson was was solid and, and did his thing. They got to find somebody else to be a playmaker at wide receiver, and, and that's the next step for this offense. And, you know, you know now you got to do that with what it looks like to be, you know, two quarterbacks for 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 the time being and, and maybe for the foreseeable future. Yeah, they did that. You know, they rotate a lot of guys in at wide receiver, but didn't get a bunch of plays in, didn't get a bunch of targets for the guys who were you know, other than the ones at the top, like you like you mentioned. All three of the true freshman receivers got to check into the game. We saw we saw Zay Capers as well. Mark, really the only player we didn't see out wide was was Landon King. He didn't he didn't play a snap at receiver, but there was such a heavy focus, like Jason said, in the passing game um, on guys like Javarius Johnson, on guys like Shed Jackson. At the same time, you didn't throw that many passes. So, you know, just for them continuing to get more data on this passing game going into week two. Also, they only ran 62 offensive plays. Like this was not something where you came away, um, you know, with a bunch of with a bunch of takeaways from from your young guys because you're able to, you know, get out there and run, you know, 80, 85 plays and get the youngsters in for several drives. Obviously, the lightning delay sort of threw things off, but but this wide receiver rotation that we were wondering so much about, Mark, um, we saw them on the field, but we didn't really get to see what they did in terms of production other than the, the few guys at the top. That's something we'll still be looking for in the second game. Yeah, I think one of the things that happened uh, in the fourth quarter, Auburn hardly had the football, and uh, uh, that was bizarre play with the bad snap, and then the um, uh, running into the punter was called, when the guy tried to kick the ball from the goal line and uh, um, Mercer did a good job of controlling the clock. And I think that's the one they went down and kicked a field goal on a very long drive uh, with a lot of plays. So uh, yeah, you would like to see Auburn up into the seventies or maybe around 80 plays in that game. So they could gotten more players, a chance to do things. And I'm with Jason, you know, Robbie Ashford needed to throw the ball more, in that game, I thought. And I'm curious to see how many opportunities he gets to do it against San Jose State. And uh, you would think Auburn would throw the ball at least 30 times in game two. So we'll see how that goes. And, you know, this team, I think San Jose State's going to have some better players than Mercer. But, you know, I think it's a game Auburn should win pretty easily. So if they want to work on one particular aspect of the game, I don't think they're going to threaten their ability to win. Jason, yesterday, um, the reporters who were there got to talk to Tate Johnson for the first time, Auburn's new starting center. Um, by all indications, had a pretty strong performance. Now, Brandon Council was um, the coaching staff's offensive lineman of the week from that Mercer game. But, um, boy, I mean, there's not much more you could have asked for. Again, is the Mercer's defensive line we'll, we'll see moving forward. But um, that's a tough spot against any opponent for a new starting center like that. Um, seems like communication was well was well done. There was only that one high snap to Finley um, before he threw the interception. Other than that, they didn't have any snapping issues. And one thing Brian Harson said was beyond what he did from snap to snap, um, sort of his understanding coming from the sideline, knowing the, the, you know the game plan for that drive, that the exact call going from the sideline to the field and sort of helping Finley facilitate that to the rest of the offense. So that's a that's a big hole. It remains to be a big hole. This is not at all you know solved after just. One game, but uh, you know, certainly an encouraging start for Tate Johnson in in what's a big vacancy left behind by Nick Brahms. 
Yeah, it was. And, and you know, Tate's a guy that um, you can tell he cares a lot about the game. Uh, he's putting in a lot of work. And, um, you know, from the first time I saw him when he was a junior in high school, um, he has worked diligently on, on his body, on being in better shape, being stronger. And he is. And, you know, that showed up on, on Saturday. So that was the first good, you know, good kind of test run for him against Mercer. It looked a little bit tougher this week against San Jose State. And I think Mark's right. I think, I think Mercer from a, a, especially from an offensive skill standpoint, you know, quarterback, San Jose State be pretty good. I think from a running back and wide receiver standpoint, Auburn may have played better players last week against Mercer than they will against San Jose State. But the lines of scrimmage are probably a little different. And I think that's where this one will be a little bit more test. You know, San Jose State, one of the strengths of their team is probably going to be their defensive front. So um, I think it'll be a little bit more of a challenge and get, you know, get Tate in, in this offensive line a little bit more prepared um, for what's coming, you know, Penn State and then in, in SEC play in a couple of weeks. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast drowning in status updates and lost in endless emails break free with clickup.com the one app to replace them all imagine a world where your team collaborates effortlessly in one shared space no more chaos just ClickUp. your projects tasks and communication unified at last Transform how you work with customizable views, seamless integration, and real-time updates. ClickUp is your shortcut to more productive days and happier teams. Join the millions of productive teams already streamlining their workflow. Visit ClickUp.com to get started. Yeah, Mark, it was over on the defensive side for Auburn. I think some people looked at looked at one sack for them and you know maybe wondering why that total wouldn't be a little higher against an FCS opponent, but the Smurser offense came out and did exactly what we expected them to do. And that's, they got the ball out pretty quickly. Um, there were a couple opportunities that could have been sacks. If they went different ways, you had the, you had the um, ball roll loose in the backfield where Aculiota grabbed him. That kind of turned into a running play. And so it was just a TFL. Um, Cam Riley had a similar play outside that just turned into a TFL. It wasn't, wasn't necessarily a sack, but um, overall, with the starting defense, the, the big thing for them was Brian Harson said, you know, maybe some issues downfield, guys having opportunities to create turnovers. Maybe a guy like Zion Puckett, I know there were a couple plays where the ball was in the air. Auburn wasn't able to come down with it. But overall, when you look at it, the fact that Mercer did not enter Auburn's side of the 50 
besides that TJ Finley interception where they started there. You know, they, they didn't enter it on their own accord until some of the backups started rolling in in the fourth quarter. Pretty good indication for that defense in week one. It seems like they 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 did their job pretty well. Yeah, I thought the defense was okay. Uh, their guys were a little bit too open at times in the secondary, something Brian Harson addressed, and I think they'll do some adjustment on that. And I give the quarterback credit for Mercer. He got out of a jam a couple times when a lot of quarterbacks would have been sacked. And I thought probably the most impressive play of the game for Mercer was he was about to be sacked, made a 360 spin move and threw the ball down uh, uh, right before the first touchdown and, and uh, made a really nice play uh, to, to keep that drive alive. And, uh, you know, Mercer had some good skill players. There's no doubt about that. But uh, the offensive line was, you know, one that the Auburn defensive front should have just run over. And um, so it was disappointing. There was just one sack. And it was disappointing there were only three tackles for losses. And that's something they're going to probably try to correct this week. And with Auburn's talent up there, uh, I mean, there's there's no reason those numbers should be that low. So that'll be something to watch against San Jose State. And the other thing I want to watch, too, is like, Cam Riley, man, he played really well in game one. How's he follow that up? And uh, Jason and I have been believers in him since he was a young high school player, since the first time we saw him. And uh, he's bigger, stronger, and he seems to have a real feel for the game right now. And, uh, you know, playing with Sakobi McLean and Chandler Wooten and Owen Popo for a couple of years has probably helped his linebacker IQ. And I think Christian Robinson's helped him too. Auburn's new linebackers coach. So uh, uh, I think this kid's got a chance to have a really big season. And I was uh, smiling and talking to him post-game. He, he said that uh, his goal was 50 tackles for the season. He said, I'm readjusting it to 100 tackles. So why not? Uh, that's a really good thing for the Auburn defense. Yeah, I mean, you might as well. Uh, you know, this The guy who's kind of falling in line of what's been a recent tradition of productive tacklers. For Auburn, I mean, Owen Papo in 2020 got close to 100 tackles. Obviously, both Zacoby and Chandler Wooten combined for nearly 200 last season. And then you had the 100 tackle season by Zacoby McLean in, in 2021. Um, you know, this was the most tackles by an Auburn defender since Zacoby had that crazy 17 tackle game against Texas A&M in, in 2020. And Chandler Wooten was on the sideline. And he uh, I saw him before the game and he tweeted out during the game, he said, I can't remember exactly what he said, but something to the effect of, yeah, Cam Riley's that that next dude. I mean, it's just it's it's been a nice pipeline for Auburn to have really productive players. And again, rewatching it yesterday, um, just an instinctual player who kind of got himself in the right position every time. It's not like he was flying across the field to get to get to the tackler. He sort of understood pre-snap where he needed to be um, and ended up there. They a bit of a surprise. Um, they actually, we actually had an updated depth chart after the after the first game. It's not something that always occurs it's not something the coaches need to necessarily care about once the season goes along but we actually did get a couple updates yesterday Jason they were both on the offensive side of the ball one of them not much of a surprise I mean we heard a lot about Chick Dawson in the preseason he was the starting slot receiver in week one when a guy like Javarius Johnson who by the way had close to 150 total yards because he had about a 20 yard sweep um, got really close to a couple touchdowns there both of them landed short of the goal line he is now supplanted there as the starting slot receiver um, and then that right guard spot, Keandre Jones, who, who before this previous game started 19 straight games for Auburn is now the backup right guard behind Cam Stutz, who 
again, by all indications, went in there and had a good game. That one, that one, obviously, the more surprising um, of the two, just because of how productive a guy like Keandre has been. But at the same time, it's a it's a great testament to how good Cam Stutz has been this offseason. Yeah, you know, Cam's a guy that's that's you know, you're talking about putting in work. Um, he is he's the definition of having put in work for Auburn. And you know, going back to his days as a as a high school recruit, he came down and and earned an offer at an Auburn camp um, and had car issues and and rode a bus down to the camp. I mean, that's how bad he wanted to come down and work out. And so um, he's one of those guys that that you always kind of like, okay, root for that guy to to, to get an opportunity and, and had an opportunity. He's making the most of it so far. Um, you know, and he played pretty deep into that game. So he got, a, he got a lot of reps on Saturday night. So I think that was important for him. And, you know, so, you know, that middle, he, he's he's a big physical guy too. Um, you know, people talking about, you know, Keontre Jones, Cam Stutz is a, is, a, is a large human being. And so he's a guy that can create some some holes in the run game, do some of those things. So, um, no, not a real surprise after what we saw Saturday night. He was a guy that got more of the reps and more of the work. And um, now he'll looks like he'll get more of that moving forward in week two. And, you know, for Keandre Jones, it's, you know, you got to got to continue to work and battle and, and see if you can get in there. You got to, you know, a really experienced player in Brandon Council and and another older guy that has been around for a while in Cam Stutt. So, um, you know, you got two guys that, you know, that, that know what they're doing there at the guard position. Mark, as you look at San Jose State, again, we'll get into it more as the week goes along. Obviously, we'll have the roundtable episode previewing the game on Thursday but like Jason talked about more more skill position talent maybe and in, in, or just production um at Mercer that kind of that defensive front seven for San Jose State it might might be more of the strength but um similar to how they've seen this coaching staff this Auburn coaching staff has seen this San Jose State staff um they've also seen the quarterback before Siobhan Cordero um it's a transfer from Hawaii in fact the last time Jeff Schmetting and his defensive staff saw him um, he was leading a huge fourth quarter comeback against Boise State in 2020. He, uh, he had a bunch of passing yards. He had three passing touchdowns in that game when he was at Hawaii. They almost came back and and beat Boise State. Now he has transferred to San Jose State. You're talking about a guy with a lot of experience. Again, I think it, it it's kind of like we were talking about for the first game. If Auburn's defensive line does their job and creates plenty of pressure, this probably shouldn't be an issue. Um, but it's a guy who who you know Auburn staff is is very familiar with from their previous you know, stops at Boise State and a guy who's played a lot of football before, just just plain and simple. Another mobile quarterback, Nathan, and uh, threw for 45 touchdowns at Hawaii and ran for 1,100 uh, yards. So uh, he's a guy that's uh, going to bring some experience. Uh, almost, I think, almost everybody who's been on the Hawaii football team for the last couple of years transferred out of that program. They had so many problems. And he's probably one of the better ones that left and uh, – you know, Brian Harson's staff is really familiar with Hawaii and probably a lot of their personnel. They've uh, got some good players. His top receiver is Elijah Cooks, 6'4", 215, transfer from Nevada. Guy had a, uh, 123 uh, yards and six catches in the opening game. And they've got some veteran defensive players who put up some really good numbers too. And um, one of the defensive linemen has been all-conference uh, for – past two years so uh, uh yeah auburn will have a really good scouting report and i think uh, a lot of the coaches will be very motivated to do well against this opponent um uh, uh, so uh, i'm curious to see what happens san jose state is you know one of those programs where every once in a while they step up and have a, a really good year but it's not a, a huge serious program 
They had 16,000 people at their first game, which was their biggest home crowd in years. So we're talking like different level of interest and diff different level of football. But, uh, uh, you know, it's, you need to take uh, everybody seriously. Uh, you got a game against Penn State a week from Saturday, and you certainly got a lot of work to do as far as getting up to speed to be ready for that. So you need to take advantage of this opportunity to get better against whoever you're playing. Yeah, and that game you mentioned, lots of lots of hype there in the home crowd, and they almost saw San Jose State lose to Portland State, and it, it, they needed a late score there to to avoid a, an FCS upset um, in Week One. So similar to what Auburn staff is doing and the, the team, you know, moving on from from Week One to another non-Power Five opponent, we'll be doing the same here. Um, kind of just the point of this podcast touch on touch on what we heard from Brian Harson and players there. Um, on Monday, of course, the next edition will be Thursday morning. We have the roundtable. Um, and then again, Saturday morning, we will have um, another opposing reporter preview to be able to talk about the Spartans. So thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. If you guys enjoyed it, please go leave us a five-star review. The bumper music is by Beats by Mordecai. You guys can follow him on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. Until the next episode, we will catch you guys later. Everybody have a good middle to end of the week. We'll see you guys later. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.